If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this special edition episode of Mind Pump. Now, Exclusive. we are the leading uh, podcast in fitness, health, and fitness health comedy. We're number uh, one. We have a lot of we have a lot of fun, good time, and we love educating people. Here's what we talked about in this episode. So for the first 45 minutes, it was our introductory fun time current events conversation. I talked about uh, supplements and nootropics. I talked about my experience with the Racetem class of synthetic nootropics, and then we talked about the natural nootropics. One of our favorites uh, is uh, the one called Pure. Pure. Made by Organifi. We actually use it before every podcast. If you want to check them out and check out some of their other uh, organic supplements, go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump for 20% off. Then we talked about the incredibly uh, dense amounts of uh, tree and plant jizz in the air, uh, otherwise known as pollen. <laughs> hey, thanks. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. All over your face, Justin. Impregnated. Uh, then we talked about how giving up meat may not positively affect uh, climate change like some of them people will have us believe. Uh, when you look at all factors, it's far more complicated than people think. I brought up a study on aspartame, the European, European, European it's just easy for me to say, yeah. uh, food That's organization. I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I'm up in. The food organization uh, has revealed that a lot of the negative studies on aspartame were thrown out. They only considered the good ones. So maybe it's not as safe as they say. Um, we talked about how the government is looking to ban YouTube autoplay because, you know, uh, the government knows what's best for us. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Do as you're told. Uh, we talked about parents uh, hacking college admissions to get their kids in. Sneaky, dirty parents. Uh, yeah. I talked about my new focus on improving my mobility. Um, and that's it. Then we get into the fitness portion of this episode, and this is where we answer fitness questions. Here's the first one. Uh, this person wants to know if we ever had a desire when we were personal trainers to specialize in a certain type of training, so to specialize in a specific type, and how did that change our careers? So we give advice to fitness professionals, whether you should or should not specialize and which areas will probably give you the best chance of success. The next question we answered was, uh, what are the benefits of dropping the weight with each successive set or adding weight with each successive set or keeping the weight the same? Do they have all affect the body differently? Is it is it irrelevant? Or is there some value? So we talk all about which one you should do and when. The next fitness question was, uh, how do we approach treating our kids with food? In other words, do we tell them, hey, if you finish all your dinner, you'll have a treat? Um, we talk all about food relationships and that part of this episode. And the final question, this person wants to know what our steps for recovery are after going too hard in a workout. And we talk about the signs that we look for that tell us that we might have gone a little too far with our workouts. Mm -hmm. Also, this month, this is the only time we've ever done this ever, MAPS Prime and MAPS Prime Pro, the two Prime programs, both are 50% off. These are two of our more expensive, valuable programs. And they're valuable because, well, first off, MAPS Prime teaches you how to set your body up, how to prime it properly before your workout. This will make your current workout far more effective. So you, if you spend 10 minutes priming your body properly, you're going to get better results from your squats, your deadlifts, your bench presses, all the exercises you do in your workout. 
Now, Mass Prime Pro, well, that's correctional. It's correctional exercise. So if you want to improve your mobility, prevent injury, or try to figure out why the heck your shoulder hurts or your knee hurts or your hips bother you, why you can't deadlift right, right? why you can't squat properly, that's MAPS Prime Pro. And if you're a personal trainer, both of those programs are extremely valuable for you and your clients. So they're really, really good tools. Both those programs, half off. This is the only time we've ever done this, and I don't think Ooh, we'll be doing I'm this again. I don't think we'll be doing this again anytime soon. So here's what you do to get the discount. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code PRIME50. That's P-R-I-M-E-5-0 for the discount. Act now. Also, I do like to listen to podcasts, and one of my favorite podcasts is the Jordan Harbinger Show. Now, Jordan, good friend of mine, Pump, he's actually in the studio with us right now. Uh, you do a phenomenal job interviewing people, uh, excellent job. In fact, we learn from you, but you also do episodes kind of by yourself, and one episode in particular, episode 205, you call it the deep dive, um, and this was about purpose. Like, What do you do if you have a sense of purpose, but then all of a sudden- you think my purpose sucks or this yeah. is hard or whatever. This was a great episode. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. This is near and dear to my heart because a lot of people who want to become, like even you guys, right? You, like, you start this, you build this amazing studio, and then there's got to be days where you're like, I don't want to do this. Or like, this is a drag or I'm feeling bad about this. You, you, know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And, and that's when your business is going well. When your business is not going well, and you're grinding and you're not making any money and there's other people that are kicking your butt and competing with you and driving you underwater, you start to think like, what did I do? Oh, maybe this isn't right for me because it sucks and my purpose is supposed to be great and grand and fun and amazing and energizing because you're looking at all these a-holes on Instagram who, <laughs> yeah. who are always having so much fun, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, 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 let's be real about this. Sometimes when it starts to become a job, that's when we start to dig and do our best work. And sometimes when it starts to become routine, that's when we realize, oh, this is the reality of the situation. Now I get to focus on what I like doing and all the stuff that I don't like doing, I can figure out how to hire for this or how to systemize my business. It's kind of like when the honeymoon phase of your business or of your new career, your job, it doesn't, you don't have to own your own business to have this. It's when that starts to wear off, what do you do to hang in there and then regain that energy and keep going? Because even if, if you're, a, whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, or you run a mind pumps media studio, you're going to go through this dip and you need to know how to handle it's it. It's normal. And I found this episode um, inspiring. So if you're trying to find your purpose or if you found your purpose and now you're questioning whether or not that's actually your purpose, make sure you check out episode 205 of the Jordan Harbinger podcast. Thanks, guys. I could see a market for a party drug. I really do. I could really see. No, if, that's what Aubrey failed at. Remember? Well, that doesn't mean he had that idea, and Joe Rogan shot it down and said, "His no, was we, a let's, party recovery drug." Yeah, let's. No, do, no, no. Let's I'm talking do about Alpha Brain, and boom, I'm, on I'm, it was a, on it was created. No, 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 I'm not talking about a recovery supplement. I'm talking about a party supplement. Like take this to and, enhance your and go party. Fun. Yes, dude. And it would have called MDMA. It would have. <laughs> it would be legal. Justin, okay. oh, uh, but it would have like yeah. What's the legal version look like? Oh, I mean, it would be full of stimulants and feel good chemicals and stuff like that. And you know, you take it and you're gonna feel fucking like yeah, and you're gonna feel that's more a, social and a pre workout. Well, how would that be different than a pre workout? How would it be alcohol. different? Yeah, marketing. 
Oh, that's all your stuff. Of course. Oh, no. That's how know. it always is. Well, that's not one of your best ideas. Uh, pre-party. <laughs> we, we developed a pre-party it's market. Pre-party. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the alcohol before the alcohol. I think I think that's already a thing right now is to take pre-workout before you go out and do some shit. Really? Are you, you serious? Doing? Yeah, yeah. That's a thing. That's I mean, hilarious. we used to we used to mix Stupid. like speed stack with fucking shots before going out. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, no, dude. I, that's oh gnarly. Bro, I had refrigerators of it in my house. Of course I did. You got to get rid of it, right? Yeah, and I'm 25. I'm going out to the bars with my buddies on Friday, so absolutely we rolled the speed well, I, stack out through some freaking I did the Red Bull vodkas for sure, so that's not like a huge leap Dude, from that. I used to buy um I used to buy pure ephedra tablets. So these were they were twenty five uh milligrams of ephedra alkaloids, which was by by law the most you could put in a tablet. So I'd buy those. I'd buy separate caffeine and then I'd go to the grocery store and I'd buy uh aspirin. Because that's the combination. That's the ECA stack. Yeah, yeah. And I would just, you'd smash that before whatever. And um, I'll tell you what, it makes me marvel at the uh, the, the resilience of the human heart. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. You think, such a bad idea. You, you think. <laughs> bro, I mean, alcohol combined with that. Hopefully it doesn't shut down at 50 for us. Maybe. Oh, huh? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this on this podcast right now. If I ever die early. That's why. Don't be like, oh, see, he's a wellness guy and he died early. No, 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 no. I, I, I was a miracle. I lived as long as I did. Yeah. Right. I made it. We're, yeah, we're trying to repair the damage from, yeah, our entire childhood dude speaking was... of pure i know that uh, organify pure we have almost every single podcast episode right we just ended up pounding ours before we got started here what would you say because you're the out of the three of us you are definitely the supplement guy who 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 continues even though you you're you're an anti something i still... call myself a recovering addict yeah, you yeah. Still... i'm still in re i'm still recovering you still use them. Recovered. you, still, you yeah. still fuck around with them of all the all the brands of all the things that we mess with what do you think you probably what which ones do you use the most consistently? What do I use the most on yeah. a consistent basis? Yeah. Supplement wise, um I, I use the pure before um every podcast and before every interview. Right. Is there anything that you use more than that? Probably not. I mean the green juice I take a lot when I travel. Um because I've noticed that if I don't eat if I don't get my greens in, it starts to affect my digestion negatively. And it's a substitute. And now it's not an equal substitute. So actually somebody DM me and said, how much green juice would I have to drink to make up for my lack of vegetables? I don't think there's any amount. I think you can't, you're not going to get an equal trade, but it's better than nothing. Right. Um, so that's when I'll use that. Um, the immune I've been using. I just used that yesterday. For did first you? Time. Yeah. Because I was starting to get like a sore throat. So last night I, I had some zinc lozenges and then I took How do you the, feel now? Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So actually there's, uh, I was coming in today uh, to work and I'm looking around and like the sun's shining through and you just see plant jizz everywhere. <laughs> plant uh, jizz. Just, just, and I'm, I'm talking about Paul. Oh, that tree semen. Every, yeah, it's, it's floating. Yeah, they're, they're trying to fertilize everybody and I'm just walking through it all and I'm like, man, this is terrible. You know, Rachel shows up and she's poor girl. She's like, I can't breathe. It's too much. Well, I, I I appreciate our homie next door who who you know clear cleans off the sidewalk every day. But the only drawback is he uses one yeah, of those fucking blowers. Kicks it up right when we're walking, and, in. and it's always when I'm just getting to work, dude. I was rolling up. He was doing it again. I'm like, fuck, I, bro. Uh, oh man, I feel so bad because I don't want to say anything because I'm like, no, you want to encourage it. Yeah, no, like I totally appreciate the the love and taking care of our the front of our shop and stuff. I think that's awesome. But I'm like, god damn, dude, it kills yeah. my allergies, yeah. dude. You know, the, so for me, the pure like. 
remember we were messing with all those different new tropics. Like yeah. we, we were really trying to make one land. Like, and I, I was just not, I was trying really hard. Like maybe this one you works. Like yeah. Dude did not like it at all. And it would like leave me with a bit of a headache or like Same something thing with later. And, Same thing. And the, honestly, this is the only one that like consistently we've been, we've been yeah. on it for a while. Well, it's good. The ones that I had you guys try back then were the synthetic nootropics, um, Paracetam, mm-hmm. Anaracetam. Yeah. I didn't do well in those. Oxaracetam. I had you guys try all the different versions and I, um, I can see how they can work for some people, but for me, if I use them consistently, I don't start to feel good. I just don't. So the, for me, I'll use a synthetic one. Every great once in a while, and I don't see a lot of value. And some people swear by them, but yeah. and I know Doug. I gave him to Doug a bunch of times, and every single time he gets a migraine. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And even though I'll give him choline with it and all the stuff you're supposed to have to to, to fuel the extra whatever that's happening in your brain, yeah, um, without getting too complicated, he still gets a headache. Here's what's interesting though about uh, the Racetem class of nootropics. So I was uh, when I was getting deep into, it, I was reading all this research on it. <clears throat> They show in animal studies that it actually prevents the come down, um, the negative effects that happen post uh, methamphetamine use or post MDMA use. So people who use uh, uh, drugs like MDMA, mm. they'll take it and then they'll do the uh, paracetam. I think they do it before, a little bit during, and then after. And they uh, they don't get the same come down. I'm reading all these anecdotes and stuff, but there's animals that anyway. It's kind of fascinating. I'm not advocating for that, by the way. If you're listening to me right now and you're like, I'm gonna try that, mm-hmm. yeah, at your own risk. Uh, I just thought it was a fascinating study. Well, That's speaking all. of animals, did you hear about the the whole claim <laughs> of how much like the uh, green gas uh, emissions from um, Green gas? I mean, CO2. <laughs> CO2 emissions. That's what Justin makes. Yeah, I do make yeah. green CO2 gas. <laughs> CO2 Dude. emissions from uh, you know farming, agriculture, and, and if we were to go vegan, that it would make this big difference. That's been like a, a, a common theme that's been in the vegan community for like the last year or so. They've it's been, a myth. Yeah, so they, there's this article that uh, Jackie shared that I was reading that I thought was pretty interesting. They said, when you break it down and you do the math, not only is the uh, uh, amount it's responsible for grossly exaggerated, but if every meat eater were to switch over to become a, a vegan or vegetarian, the the amount that the effort that they would have to go out to get vegetables, you would admit more of that in your car and shit like that. Yeah, that's the that problem. Would counter it. And they said, literally... It, it, it's talking. You're talking about maybe a two percent difference that it would make from being a meat eater going. That's to- the problem. The and also I think this. I uh, and this is from a a fitness professional standpoint. Um, if you're going vegan, and people who are listening right now who are vegans who are serious about it and have been doing it a long time, it requires a great deal of planning and care. You have to understand what kind of foods to eat so that you avoid nutrient deficiencies. You have to know how to supplement properly. Um, because there are certain things that are just very difficult to get um, from plants. And so when you're talking about the average American who puts no effort and thought into eating anyway, and you convince them to go vegan, um, you're going to deal with a lot of health problems. You just are. Now, those health problems, how much money is that going to cost us? How much problems is that going to cost us um, down the line? So we have to look at all of the all factors and include the unintended consequences. And mm-hmm. it's a, here's another good example. This is another good analogy, and I'll use something that's totally different. There's a there's a, a been a, a debate about uh, minimum wage laws um, and whether or not those are damaging to business. Now, economists will tell you that yeah, of course, you 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 artificially raise the price of labor, you're going to have less of it, so it's going to cause 
problems. And then people will come out and bring studies and say, look, this town over here raised minimum wage you know, by $2, and they added 10,000 jobs. Therefore, minimum wage had no effect. Uh, raising minimum wage had no effect on the jobs. But the problem with that is we don't know how many jobs could have been added uh, if they didn't do that. So maybe instead of 10,000, we would have added 15 or 20,000. And that's the problem with arguments that sometimes other sides make or, or each side makes is they don't look at the they don't look at the whole picture. So going back to climate change, currently, let's say we reduced greenhouse gas emissions by, I'll make up a number. I don't really know what the number would be, but let's just say we reduced it by 10% worldwide. Well, that would cost a lot of money. It would. It would cost a lot of money because it's less efficient. It's it's less efficient at the moment. Technology doesn't make solar power as efficient as oil. It doesn't make a lot of these things just as efficient. It would cost more money. So now let's look at third world countries or emerging uh, economies where people are just made it out of poverty because we literally lifted in the 20th century. We saw more people lifted out of poverty worldwide than we saw in the previous forever, the previous all of human civilization. It was just tremendous growth that we saw in the 20th century. So if we increase cost and made things more expensive and less efficient and reduce gas, greenhouse gas emissions, we may very well still see way more death because you have all these people who just made it out of poverty. Now we're going to knock them back into poverty. And wealthy people might not see this because we can afford to spend more money on trying to produce less emissions. There may be less productions of medicines as a result and less efficient in other markets. And so we have to look at the the, the whole picture. It's not as easy as saying mm-hmm. that's biodegradable, that one isn't. Look at the whole chain. Wait a minute. What does it take to produce that? How do we store it? How do we ship it? What does that look like? Uh, what is that causing in terms of efficiency of how we transport things and all these different things? We have to take these. So it's my point is, I don't know the answer, and it's far more complex than than, than the the politicians will lead you to believe. So right. yeah. when they say things like, "This is good for the environment," a lot of times look and see who's in their their pack pocket. A lot of these politicians are being funded by companies that benefit right. and are asking for handouts and subsidies. You know, like uh, these solar panel companies in California, uh, they get massive subsidies from California. And so it only makes sense that they're going to, you know, petition politicians and, you know, donate to them to promote this thing. And politicians are always going to try and sell a message that sounds really good. They're never going to tell you, hey, it's more complicated than that. We yeah. think it might work. You know, they're never going to. Well, that's the, and that's my problem with politics in general. We start like creating bumper stickers to simplify like really complex, nuanced, uh, you know, items and things that we all need to discuss and like put forth our own like uh, solutions towards and listen to each other no let's divide everybody and just make slogans out of they're, it they're trying to win your vote and they're just yeah. they're very effective at um, well uh, the reality is a, is a majority of people won't do their research anyways no yeah. and, and yeah. that's the problem yep. that's the problem if you actually look and look deep at the research and you you start to uh, account for all all the different factors you, you start to slowly realize like whoa this is Way bigger and more complicated of a problem um, than we realize. Like, like uh, you know, those of us who are uh, you know considered worldwide considered wealthy, which is most Americans, like the vast majority of Americans. You know, if we look at things a little differently than if an emerging country that just got out of poverty, you have China. You know, had I don't know how many hundreds of millions of people that came out of poverty in the right. 20th century. Doesn't take much to knock them back into that into that situation. And how many people die as a result? Of poverty and, and, and low access to clean water and medicine and all that stuff, so we have to kind of you know we got to look at all the different factors and see what it looks like. It's just really complicated. Speaking yeah. of complicated things, 
So this article uh, was released recently. Um, so University of Sussex, uh, which is a big university in the in Europe, claims that the European food industry, or excuse me, European Food Authority, has been bottling up alarming data surrounding aspartame, the one of the most popular artificial sweeteners, right. for a long time. So they found that the they analyzed all these these studies and looked at these reports, and they found that. That the European Food Safety Authority um, focused their final assessment in t- almost entirely on the positive studies. So, out of the seventy-three papers that deemed aspartame dangerous, they were all thrown out by the European Food Safety Authority. Eighty-four percent of the studies that provided no evidence of its harm were the ones that they. Eighty-four percent of those studies were considered. Mm-hmm. So, like, wait a minute. Yeah. All these studies hmm, that say that they're selecting, there may be issues. Why did we throw them all out? Please, can you set up a time where you and Lane can talk on Insta Story? Oh, I'd love to. It's it needs, all about the money. Yeah, I think it would be just a healthy conversation uh, to have to have you guys to have and let, let other people listen to. And it's great because you guys are both friends and you both respect each other's opinion on stuff. But I, I think a lot of people will learn from that, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, there's 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 big uh, big money in um, uh, in these artificial sweeteners. Uh, massive, massive money. Um, and the way they passed and became legal, I don't I, you know I don't necessarily have to go into it. But look up how aspartame uh, became legal. Look at the people behind it. Um, uh, how it got approved. Um, and you can see that uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that aspartame is bad for you, that artificial sweeteners are bad for you, granted. But it does highlight a lot of shady shit. And uh, in my experience, when there's a lot of shady shit, that usually goes deeper. Like the, what you see is only the surface, and it goes a lot a lot deeper than that. And then, of course, you know, the way in my experience as a trainer, I know that, uh, you know, uh, um, valuing food for its taste um, only is a path down, uh, you know, Slippery slope. Yeah, bad behaviors around food yeah. and bad relationships to food. And for people who are super interested in just their in their aesthetics, sometimes having the natural barrier of calories is a good thing. It's, it's great yeah. sometimes when you say, hey, look, there's, a, there's they'll look at it, okay, there's some calories, there's some negatives. But artificial sweeteners kind of paints the picture that there's no negatives. So it's like, but there's no calories, so I can have as much as I want, and it just kind of reinforces that behavior. Well, that's why I want the two of you guys to discuss yeah. it, because it's-, it's too I, convenient of an I, idea. I think that we get painted sometimes in this corner of like, oh, we're, we're anti all that stuff, and it's not really it's not really that it's an argument of what's the science support as far as is it bad for us or not bad for us, and it's more so the behavioral side that I think that we argue and discuss more, which is the part that I think a lot of this show has always been about is that mm-hmm. the fitness industry has done a really good job of like, you know, oh, what rep range is best for this? And oh, what exercise? Ignore the most important yeah. stuff. Right, exactly. Ignore the psychological piece that we're the person that's in their head that can't get to the gym for some reason or ignore the, the reason why the person is driven to get to the gym in the first place and like what drives all these bad behaviors for the other 23 hours of the day. And so- Well, because that's less arguable. Yeah, right. Like when you're when you're getting into like the the studies out there, you could get you could pull from both sides pretty easily. And so I don't know. I feel like some people are just drawn to that because then it's like you have you know a certain position that's pretty firm. You can argue a lot more effectively when you have like this data that you're you're spewing off. Well, of. look, um, and this is a fact. You'll find uh, many studies that have correlated weight gain and fat gain with artificial sweeteners. Now, 
does this mean that artificial sweeteners are causing their bodies to somehow store more body fat? It's highly unlikely, okay? There may be some strange mechanism that, you know, in the way it influences potentially the microbiome. This is all speculation. But it's probably, it's highly likely that the artificial sweeteners themselves are not causing weight gain. Now, why are they correlated with weight gain? Because they strengthen and encourage behaviors that make people eat more food. Yeah. This is why. So people who consume a lot of artificial sweeteners, they tend to reinforce this behavior where food's value is it's how tasty it is. And so it encourages that behavior. So when you take a bunch of obese people with a bad relationship to food and you tell them, hey, just have artificial sweeteners from now on. So they don't lose weight because they replace it with other calories. Right. And sometimes they gain Here's weight. Here's this calorie-free waffle. Yeah. It's, it's a better it's, idea. Exactly. And and I know in our space, especially with the, the people who work in fitness, oh, man, I, the worst eating behaviors I've ever seen. Yeah. They're terrible. And what do you get with these with these competitors? Oh, it's zero calories. Therefore, I'm going to have 15 of them a day or everything is going to be sweetened and to the point where they can't even have, I know a lot of competitors that don't like water. They have to put uh, uh you know, what is it called? Uh that, that powder that makes it taste good that's really popular uh crystal uh crystal, crystal light. light yeah. yeah, or whatever. Like, oh, it's no calories, <laughs> it tastes good. I need it to taste like something. Yeah, you're 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 just making things, you know, worse for yourself. And we're not nobody ever talks about that. Well, along the lines of more controversial topics, um curious to what you guys think about this cuz I thought this was an interesting article. Um there's a senator from Missouri who is trying to pass a bill right now that will uh, not allow YouTube to use the technology that allows people to do an autoplay on, on YouTube. I saw why? that, yeah. So it's, it's to reduce binging. And so oh, this God. is why I wanted to talk about it because, uh, one, um, I agree with him. What I don't agree with is government getting involved to pass a bill and make right. and because I actually enjoy that. Yeah. Right, right, and mandating it. Right, I don't yeah. think this is something that we need government to get involved. Uh, so th this is a why it's a cool topic is because here's an area where I agree with the person who's trying to get this bill passed. Like, I agree with what he's trying. Yeah, to Yeah, you do. agree. Like, it does help. It does encourage binging. That's yeah, why it's there. It, right, like exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it's it encourages binging. I I even think it's that's going to be a major problem in the future for us that these kids mm -hmm. that are just addicted to these games. I mean, I'm seeing it right now with my nephew and, and my, my uh, brother-in-law having to deal with that. And like, it's it's really tough, man. Once you kind of let the cat out of the bag, like, in, and these kids start that addiction to the phone, right? watching parents try and reverse that is crazy, right? Yeah. So I do understand trying to put things in places that make it that much more challenging for the kids to go binging. But here's an example where I don't believe that's the responsibility of our government. Yeah, put that no. back on the parents. And it's not a, it won't be effective. It just won't be right, effective. Right. It's a waste. It will be a waste of money, a waste of taxpayers' money. So it's it's virtue signaling from a senator. Hey, I care about something. You know, look at this. Vote for me or whatever. It's also a way for government to get their hands into regulating uh, these markets because it's always that way. By the way, when they step in to do something, it opens the door. Now they can regulate more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And now think to yourself, why would the government want their hands in something like YouTube? It's a very powerful medium. Right. Extremely powerful medium. And, uh, of course, they would want to have their hands on something that they can influence to get what they want or get people to think the way that they want. And they already do that very effectively anyway. No, I'll leave them out. I think leave them out. There's no business in that. It's my fucking choice whether or not I'm going to keep watching this or not. And at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility. Don't let them go down that path of you know, trying to be your moral 
that being regulator s- or whatever. That being said, though, we are. I mean, the time is coming, and it's coming fast. That these are the types of conversations totally. that are making its way all the way up to. The yeah. Government. So I mean, I I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what we see unfold with this this generation that's coming up right now. Totally. And I think just the feedback from customers, like you know, like if you sign a petition amongst customers, like you let like companies know this is something that you're concerned about. Like I'm sure they would love to hear Dude. you know more from their customers' experience. <clears throat> And how they can improve. We have so much power. It's us that has the power. Do you yeah. know what would happen if everybody just told YouTube we don't fucking like that? Yeah. They would change it. So it's like, hey, man, uh, you know, that's that's what people want. Now, I, I, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's educate people. But then at the end of the day, it's up to them. They'll be more successful. It's yeah. the same thing with, you know, they had this whole issue with, uh, you know, on the kids section where like certain ads would, would come in that were inappropriate. And like, you know, they want to know that because that's going to mess their entire business up. Bro, it it's persistent. It's like you're on, a, on, a, on the Titanic and then you're trying to use scotch tape to plug up the hole at the iceberg. Like, good luck. Yeah. Good luck trying to stop what's happening with technology with your regulation. Good luck. It ain't going to happen. So no, no. educate and- Unfortunately, uh, it will, it, the, what will cause it or what well, will drive it is the backlash that will happen from yeah. all the- Speaking all the, of regulation, um, so you remember back back when when they had the, that whole scandal with like trying to get people into universities oh, and like, yeah. paying for all that? Like, oh, well, the parents were- yeah, they're they're finding a way to kind of pay to get certain people to get them in. Terrible. Um, so there's more follow up to that, I guess. Like, there's been a, a hack in terms of like wealthy wealthier families being able to uh, pass along the guardianship. Uh, so for their kids, so that way, you know, now they're they're with like aunt you know, Mary or whoever, who is under a totally different tax bracket, you know, so that way they can receive the grants that they normally couldn't underneath, you know, their, their, their wealthy, successful parents. Wait a minute. So what you're saying is, let me get this straight. So I, I make too much money to get uh, government assistance or grants or loans, like whatever. Right. Yes. So I then will assign one of my poor family members to be the guardian. Therefore they qualify now for. Yes. Wow, that's slimy. So slimy, right? I, I was, and this has happened to a couple different families. They've already caught in Chicago area, like uh, you know, doing those shenanigans. But it's just, ah, it's just such shitty behavior. It's like I can't. It's it's gross to watch like stuff like that happen. Yeah, the irony is that the the reason why college is so fucking expensive is they've made it so easy to get money for college. You've got all this available money, so colleges are just expensive as hell mm-hmm. uh, and it's almost for no reason i mean mm-hmm. you, you know if we didn't do that they would have to bring the prices down when you they? talk about things like that it always makes me wonder like if we were to do if there was if it was possible for us to tease out you know and, and i think of like welfare too like how many people has it really helped and like then how many people are abusing the 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 ability to use it right like how yeah. many people are taking advantage of the system because they can we've all, we, well, there's part always of always going to be that yeah, yeah. Oh, of course right and yeah, there's always going to be direction. and there's always going to be somebody who it was life changing for them it's always right. there's always going to be somebody who they lost their job welfare bridged the gap between the other one it saved their family kept everyone together and it's yep. a crazy hoopra story but then there's also going to be the other side of somebody who manipulates the shit out of the system to do that it's not even it's yep. it's even it's not even necessarily about the manipulation although that's uh, terrible it's that uh, okay let me put it this way imagine if the government came out and said everybody needs to own a car cars are so important we need them for transportation and people need to go to work so what we're going to do is we're going to pass these laws to make getting a car loan pretty much guaranteed. Like you're going to get a car loan uh, to help you out because everybody needs a car. 
So now money to buy cars is more readily available. It's much easier. How many more expensive cars would be sold than are sold maybe today? Far more. Mm -hmm. And so car manufacturers would compete for that money by creating more and more expensive cars. So I argue that people wouldn't need to get loans for these expensive schools if we stepped out and allowed these places to have to fight for yeah. the, our real money. Compete for the students. And, and let's be honest, we're in, a, we're in a, a, a position now in modern times where technology allows information to be shared almost for free. It doesn't make any sense why a book costs $300 at a university, or um, why it doesn't make any sense. They're so overinflated, like these these college campuses, and like how much money they're they're asking out of students now. It's it's absurd. It, the, it needs to be changed. The supply of money is too high. The demand and the demand is artificial too, because we've sold so hard to kids that the only way to be successful is to go to college. And they use statistics like uh, if you go to college and you graduate you're going to earn this much more for the rest of your life than if you don't. But the problem, again, with that statistic, that research, which is accurate, that's accurate research, but the problem is you're lumping all the kids who didn't go to college into the same category. What they need to do is they need to take the kids who didn't go to college but who had, uh, they knew what they wanted to do. Right. They knew exactly what they wanted to do and they worked hard towards it. So they had yeah, a goal. Trade or they, they created their own business. Whatever. Compare those kids to the kids. Kids who go to college, at the very least, they are like, I know what I want to study. At yeah. the very least, right? So compare those. Or so at the very least, they see value in education and learning and growth. Right. So I think that's more the important thing is because, you know, compare the group of kids that didn't go to college but then still learned and wanted to grow exactly. and better themselves exactly. versus Dude. the ones that didn't go to college and they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, because now you lump right. in a bunch of fucking dropouts and losers and people who had no drive and no ambition or whatever. Sure. Take those people out, compare like to like. And I bet you know what you're going to find. And then factor in debt. Here's another one. Oh yeah. Factor in debt. Don't just that's, look that's at a big factor. Don't just look at earnings because yeah, sure you may earn more money, but now you have two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. And the guy over here has no debt, and within two years he's making as much as you are, but you still have one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of debt left over or whatever. Mm. Factor all of that in, and I bet you what you'll end up finding is, unless you're going to do specific uh, types of degrees and careers, it's more it's less valuable to go to college. Then when you don't go to college, so long as you're driven, motivated, and you know what you want to do, um, I bet if you factor it all out, that's what you'll find. Because there are careers like that. Like you go to college and you get a degree in, you know, liberal arts or world history or anthropology, and you come out with like that ain't going to make you any fucking money. You're going to be in debt. It's just the fact, right? Yeah, yeah. If you go to college for like tech or you know certain fields require it, medicine or whatever. Then it might make some sense. So that's that, that's what you got to really look at. We've old, oversold it, so now kids are like, "I have to go, yeah. can't afford it, get a loan. Government guarantees that I get a loan. Uh, so now I, I'm graduate four mm. years later, hundred thousand dollars in debt, whatever. You have to go in with the intent that like, okay, this is gonna this is gonna apply towards something. This is not just me wasting time and like finding myself. Like you got to go in with a plan and then you know apply that plan in real life and that's going to make you your income. Dude, imagine a smart kid. Think about it this way. Imagine if a smart kid didn't go to college and I'll use myself as an example. I, wants to be in the fitness industry. Goes and works in the fitness industry, is passionate, does a good job, starts making decent money after about a year or two. I know I did. Started making decent money, was smart, has no debt, right? Because they're going in there learning and making money. So they have no debt. They're starting at a positive. And then they start to buy property or start to invest that property. Mm. Meanwhile, his twin brother or his twin sister is still in college. They're year two or year three. They're racking up debt. They're not making any money. Four years later, they graduate with 
$30,000 worth of debt or whatever, however, $100,000 worth of debt, whatever. But the, the twin brother who's worked now has saved money, has invested. And sure, they may graduate and come out making maybe a little bit more, but start doing the math. Start start calculating the debt and what's happening. Who's in a better position? I don't know. Well, I think it's a lot closer than you think. Uh, no, I that's, think so. that's me and all of my friends. I'm the only one out of my group of friends that doesn't have his degree or his master's, right? Like most all my friends, some of them are, have continued on even further than that. So you have a lot of buddies of mine that have gone, and they're all successful, right? So everyone's doing well. I don't have yeah, any- Yeah, they're all, they're all hardworking, smart people. Yeah, right? They're, but I mean, it took them, it took them a good- five years to even come close to where I was already at when I was 21 years old. And oh, then, it puts you in a massive hole. Right. And then on top of that, they're I'll all, speak to that all sitting day. <laughs> on thirty to $100,000 in debt that they still have today. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me that they, I mean, I, and you just chalk it up as forever I make this payment of 180 to $300, depending on how big your massive your loan was. That's just forever. They just, they just chalk that up like- I make $300 less a month because mm-hmm. it just pays towards that student Well, loan and in some that. fields, what's really interesting, because I told this to my my, my, my son's, a, he's very academic. He gets you know, straight A's, um, loves the, the STEM you know topics, so science, technology, math. He's really good at math. And so we talked about college, and I'm very honest with him. And I said, well, it depends what you want to do. If it's a field that's going to be profitable and it's worth going into debt, then 100% you should do it. If not... Um, that we need to look at uh, other options because you have to consider. And this is just, I think you need to teach kids this anyway because they're going to learn this fucking lesson the hard way whether you teach them or not. So I'm, I'm trying to ha- you know have this conversation with them. But here's the reality even with tech. You go to school for to, to get a degree in technology. You come out four years later, six years later with a master's or whatever. The stuff you learned the previous four years or five years, it's already obsolete. Yep. It's really the last like year that you might even be able to apply. And so a lot of tech companies are doing now is they're they're just starting to you know pluck like okay, we want like sharp people who are mm-hmm. early in their degree you and just we want to indoctrinate them in their system. Yeah, or we'll, or we'll we'll put you through our training course and we're right. actually going to pay you through the whole process. That's the way I look at it. And tech's only advancing faster and faster. Do you really think I see a of a five-year degree in technology that what you learn the first four years that it's that it might not even apply. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just look at nutrition. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, we were talking a little bit uh, uh, the other day. I was a lawyer. We just scratched the surface of it. But just to, like, if you have a nutrition, a dietetics degree, think about the relevant information that you're going to receive even now in college versus like what we've all found through like mm-hmm. all these different people we've talked to that are have completely different paths that brought them to different answers. Dude, you have to look at it that way. It's like, okay, uh, you know, okay, I'm passionate, I'm driven, I know what I want to do, so I'm not going to go to college. And then you start working and you're like, man, I'm only making $20 an hour right now, you know, my first year. But compare to where you would be if you were going to school, you wouldn't be making anything per hour. You'd be costing you per hour. So look at all the thing. Look at it from a wide lens. None of this is an excuse to be a, a, a lazy, um, you know, non-driven individual. I don't give a fuck what you do. If you're lazy and you don't have any drive, you're probably not going to be successful regardless of which direction you go. I think that's the, the, the common denominator, right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of drive... Uh, I think uh, mobility's on the horizon for me. Oh, or, yeah! I'm really starting to take it like like seriously. kind of mobility or like trying to be serious about nah, it. Nah, man, I'm trying to take you're, it real seriously. You're going all in, dude. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I'm really starting to feel like uh, it's something I want 
not that I just have to do it, hmm. uh, but something that I really, really want to do. And I know this because I'm doing it every day now, you know, versus like, yeah. you know, like post It's all your own or, idea. Yeah. You know, so I, I've done a couple things. You want the one thing that I did that's kind of funny? What? So, uh, and I thought, I wonder if this will help me. So Jessica has these toe spacers that, you know, that they put on, that, that women for, will for, wear. For toenails when they paint yeah, the toenails. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> To prevent, you know, you know to, to have their toenails dry yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, selfie to prove it. Yeah, so I, so I have this <laughs> I have this one that's made out of silicone. Uh, and I'm, I'm so what I'm doing is I'll wear it at night when I'm at home. And then what it's doing is it's making me more aware of my toe placement. Mm. So then when I take them off, and while I'm wearing them, I'm actively activating my toes, trying to separate them, trying to strengthen Does them. Does that help you like spread them out a little bit more? Just like yes. having them like yes. know, in total, that in range? Sure, it makes, totally, it makes yeah. total sense. Just like a yoga block for like the 90-90 or whatever. Right. It's helping me connect. Yeah. And it's funny when I take them off, then my I feel my I feel like my toes are, are more connected. Oh, I'm curious to see how that I don't just leave them on though. It's not like I just leave them on. I'm There's like a rebranded product waiting to happen. Yeah. You know, you know how that works, right? Yeah, yeah. Like every time, yeah, you get something like from a beauty product or something like, oh weird. Yeah. Like Bro, until you use this and then slap fitness on it, sell it for like fifty dollars well, more. Well, dude, if you look at my my feet, my toes are all crunched together and they and I, my feet got real big, real young. It's probably because I was wearing tight shoes and shit, and it's like they're not connected, man. So I'm like, I got to start there, dude. I got to start with my toes, well, start connecting to those. And yeah, then work and then, your way up, man. Yeah. So yesterday I was doing, uh, I did about 45 minutes of pure mobility. I used the vibrating plate over at Club Sport. That's, that's, that's got some value, man, for mobility. It does. Well, it helps you get into that position for sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me was... I was so relentless about how much of it I and, and every day, right? Yeah, it's kind of cool to hear where you're at now because it took that switch for me that like I had to almost become competitive about it. Yep. Like it couldn't just be like, oh, I need to do this for me. It's better. It, this is better for me. It's like, okay. Yeah, this doesn't have as much impact. Yeah, I suck at mobility. My feet pronate. Like I've got these issues going on. Like let's see if I can really move this fucking needle. And it 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 took the priority over everything else that I was doing. And There's it, no other way, dude. Right. It took that commitment. It took that commitment to move the needle as far as I moved the needle in the time that I moved it. And it's really hard because I get people that DM me a lot and ask like, oh, like, you know, how did you get there? And it's like, there's not like this generic answer I can give you of like, oh, do this exercise and do this before you work out. It's like, no, it's like, it was on my mind all the time. And any time that I had downtime where I could be, I mean, even as stupid as things as like, I made it all of a sudden this hat like so my my right foot was the one that was pronating really bad, and so just like you're talking about connecting to your toes and wiggling your feet, I made sure that I every time I peed I did that. Yeah. So <laughs> when I go to the restroom and I'm standing yeah. there, Start like moving them. yeah, I'm moving my feet and I'm making sure that I'm rolling out on the outsides uh -huh. of my foot and not allowing. Them. So it was just like I just made this thing where I'm always when I was teaching at Orange Theory back then I would get down in this squatted position and I do kind of like the combat stretch and. I would be doing these things all the time and just, and I just started to know, and once I started it, noticed it moving the needle a little bit, You're more that, motivated. then I was motivated. Then I was like, yeah. oh, okay, wow, I'm getting better actually. Yeah. Like I, I now once I kind of saw a little bit of progress, that's what got me fired up about it. And then I was all in and just committed to kept getting better. And I still am. I mean, uh, I don't have uh, the biggest thing right now for me is the thoracic mobility. That's the last piece of the puzzle. I feel like, I think I, I crushed the ankle mobility. I've crushed the hip mobility. And I've and what's cool is now that I put all that work in, 
Now all I have to do is like get in that position every once in a while, and I don't have to just do remind the, the body. To yeah, stay I don't have to do. I don't have to do all the work that I was yeah. doing before. I don't. I don't do nowhere near as much mobility work as what I was doing just a year ago. Mm-hmm. All I do now is do. I I do exercises that promote that mobility. Yeah, like, it's it's less of uh, like scheduled mobility workouts and more of. Every day, several times a day. Yeah, whenever do you do five to ten minutes, you know, just every all day long while you're thinking about mm-hmm. it. Because the, the big things that I'm focusing on now are my foot, ankle, um, uh, foot and ankle are the big ones. Right. Hips, uh, I'm always you know kind of aware of, and my 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 neck. I have terrible rotation in my neck. It's from jujitsu. You know, a lot of neck cranking and crazy shit. Mm. And uh, Jessica the other day, she was helping me with it because she remember she um, mentored under Doctor Break for a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she learned a few things and she goes, well, let me take you through a couple tests. And, uh, this was eye opening for me. I'm doing my neck rotation and she's testing my range of motion. And she goes, she's laughs. And I'm like, and, and, I'll, and, and she, I'm like, why are you laughing? And she goes, come on, stop playing around. And she was serious. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're playing around. She goes, wait, is that for reals? Is that as far as you can rotate your neck? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, honey, we need to fix this because it's going to be terrible in like 10 years. I'm like, fuck. All right. She was totally serious. She thought I was fucking with her. Yeah. Like, no, that's literally how oh, bad my neck is. I had an athletic trainer when, when I was playing football and, like, was trying to stretch my hamstring and started, like, laughing in front of everybody because, like, he pushed and, like, nothing happened. <laughs> this is this is why I got so defensive about that post the other day that we just recently talked about uh, um, from that coach about the not squatting. And I, I just feel so passionately about that because – you know, that type of message is what would have validated me not working toward those things. Like, oh, right. I could just, I'll just lunge now yep. and I'll just leg press now and I, I can still build an yep. aesthetic good body. And what I what I know is that all the work that I put into getting to the place where I could squat ass to grass, like that, that is what's kept me oh, super valuable. Oh, unbelievably. I, I just, I have no idea where I would be today and where I would be 10 years from now had I not done that. And now it's become so yeah. important to me and and you're I, not going to live there forever. And right. I think that's where the, you know, the definitive line is drawn for me. It's like it is so valuable, but also you build on that. So you go through that process to get to a place where you're functioning optimally again. And so now your exercises feel even better. Everything gets enhanced. Yeah. I just don't want to be as stiff as my dad. My dad is just I mean, he's always been naturally strong. But because of the type of labor he's done since he was a, a kid and, and, and how much he's beat himself up, you know, he's got some issues in, with his spine and all that stuff. But he also does nothing to improve his mobility or stretching, regardless of how much I badger him. And he's just fucking tight, dude. He is just tight, rotation and hamstring and everything. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to move like that when I'm 60 years old. I need to be able to move better yeah. uh, because I can. I see how much problems. It, he bought himself one of those massage chairs, like the real expensive ones that, that you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that like needs you in your back. Yeah, and dude, yeah. And, and this is so hard for me to do with my parents. It's so difficult. It's so hard for me to like not, to remain neutral and not be an asshole. Oh, yeah. So he's like, he tell, <laughs> we go over there, you know, Same. I go over there to hang out with him and, and he's like, oh, he goes, Salvatore, let me show you something I got. Yeah. And he shows me this chair and and I sit in it. It's yeah, you know, it's expensive. It costs him I don't know how many thousand, couple thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he goes, Sal. He goes, I sit on the chair. It fixes everything. I have no pain. <laughs> I said, oh, everything. I said, so you only have to use it one time. You never have to use it again. He's like, he looks at me. He goes, no, I use it every night. I said, 
So that means it's not fixing anything. It's kind of solving, you know, and then of course I'm being an asshole about it. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, this is what happens to your body here. You need to correct the problem, not the root issue or whatever. And I could tell my dad just like, I shouldn't have told this kid. Yeah, like fucking, I'm not gonna share anything with you anymore. <laughs> you know? It's like when my yeah. it's like when my mom's like, Hey, I bought the healthy yogurt for the kids, and I look oh, at him like, actually, God. mom, this is bad. Don't give this to the kids anymore. And she's like, she wants to throw it at me. Yeah. You know oh, it's so great though. Like I'm at I'm at the point now with my dad where I'll I'll just shame him. You know, I'm like, you haven't been doing your 90-90. Like, look at this fat gut you got. You know, no, you don't. Him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, but he, you know, he, he he can handle it now. Like, we're we're on that level. I don't even fuck with him like that. You know, I just, I, I we've just like the inform, or the advice that we give on the show all the time and when we do these live. Just leave it. Yeah, it's like I, I've learned now that. It's the only way, man. Yeah. And and honestly, and that's like when I, the posting, the all, all the stuff that I'm doing now, like, we're now getting to the point where we're approaching 40, and so it it is a little inspiring for them to see like, oh shit, you know, he's not a 22 year old kid anymore who's doing all this stuff. It's like, right. he's f- almost 40 years old and he's got mobility like that. So now to me, like I'm getting questions from like my dad and his wife, like, because they'll be at my house and I do this now all the time where they're in the living room, they're sitting on the yeah, couch. You do it. I get down and yeah. I just, and I'm sitting there talking to them in a square position and they'll be like, is that comfortable for you to be like, yeah, well, that's what it took. Yeah. yeah. Then once they get curious, yeah, you just like keep, uh, you know, planting those seeds yeah. and watering. Well, it. the other part, the other thing I've done too, to, to augment the mobility is I'm really sticking close to the, uh, the, the, the four two two um, tempo with weights. Mm. So I'm going real, I'm going way lighter than I normally do. And focusing on the four second, you know, negative, pause, come up, controlled, squeeze, feel the muscle connect. Because I know when I go heavy, which I can do, I'm very good at going heavy, mm. um, that it just makes it harder. The compensations. Yeah, out. it makes it much harder. Yeah. So like like today, I, like I'm, I'm not going heavier than 315 for deadlifts. For, for me, I could, I could blow out 20 reps with 315 if I wanted to, if I went nuts. But I'm doing five reps, and I'm four seconds down. I'm coming up, and I'm squeezing, and I'm focusing on activating my feet and my hips and all that shit. And I'm actually enjoying it. That's why I know. I, that's why I think that this time I'm actually going to focus on it because it's not like, oh, this sucks. I can't wait till yeah. I can. I'm like, this is cool. It feels good. So. Oh, working out with intent, completely. Yeah, we'll different. see what happens. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. Eagle has landed. Quad. First question is from Easy Richardson. Did any of you have a desire to specialize in a certain type of training? And if so, how did your careers change when most people seem to just want to lose weight and gain muscle? Oh, man, I think I fell in the category, and I know I know for sure Justin's going to agree, maybe Sal too even. Uh, you know, when you, when you first start getting into personal training, I think almost, maybe not everybody, but almost every trainer wants to be like a trainer for a professional sports team. I guess if you were in the sports, for sure it has yeah, to be that way. Right? Like I wanted to train athletes – so bad when I first got into it. And you just, you quickly realize that that's such a very, that's a small portion of the population. And so if you're going to build your business around that, really, really tough to do. And most of the guys that are connected or girls that are connected to professional teams, it's not to knock them, but it's rarely ever about 
how great of a trainer they were, and it's no. more their who you know. Yeah, they're connected to the uncle. Is there is the the sports guy who hired them, and so it's really tough to get into that. Uh, to get into it's it, it's a terrible business model. It is. It's a bad idea, and it was an idea that I thought I was going to oh, do yeah. for. A no, while. I completely agree. Like I came in with that as would be like the ultimate dream, right? Is to be able to train like my my idols, my, you know, the athletes that I looked up to and, and be able to improve them and, and have, make a name for myself in terms of, you know, working with professional athletes. And you start to do that. And like, I was working my way towards that direction and you just start to figure out like, well, that like their schedules and, uh, you know, the way that the, you know, the small period of time you actually have with them and the amount of improvement that you can actually make is, is really much more based off of like how you can preserve their career. It's not about like, they're already awesome. Yeah. And so they're easy as hell to train. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, they'll do anything you ask them to do. Yeah. Uh, but really that that's the game is to be able to keep them healthy and, and elongate their career. Yeah. There's not a lot of money in that. Even if, you yeah, do a no, good you're, job. No, you're right because it's such a sought after job. It's like anything, people will do it for free. Yeah. Think yeah. about this. If you're a yeah, professional, if you're a professional athlete, um, you could pretty much have any, almost any trainer train you for free. Yeah. Because for that trainer, it's it's like it looks great on your oh, resume. And they don't want to pay. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no money in it at all. Now, uh, here's just a couple things you want to consider when you're trying to think of specializing in fitness. One is. Uh, what does the market demand look like? Uh, is this a market demand? Is there a big market demand for training people to, uh, you know, help them become better cyclists? Is there a better, you know, is there a big market demand for training children who are in sports? Whatever. Look at the market demand. That's number one. The second thing, and this is another one that's important, is consider the following. You will probably be your best when you're doing something you enjoy the most. Okay? So... If you fucking just absolutely love, love, love athletic training, and that is your deep, deep, deep passion, you're probably going to be best at it because you love it. You're going to be learning it no matter what. Yeah. In which case I say, look at the market and look a little broader and say, okay, within the market of athletics training, mm. what's the largest market within that? Student athletes. Student athletes and kids is, would be my- That would be the direction That's That's what I would say, right, for that specific one. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, I went into it, and I didn't really have a specific market. I just wanted to help people get more fit and get in better shape. Now, eventually, I started to specialize in training people through injury um, and through um, uh, and people who are in advanced age. Now, it just so it just kind of worked out that way. Um, personally, I enjoy training people who are older because I love the stories that they would tell me. That's just that's being selfish. It's one hundred percent. Like if I sat down, if I'm training, you know, seventy five year old Mrs. Johnson, seventy five years of wisdom, bro, well, getting, getting dropped on you for free, dude. Great stories. Yeah. Uh, I could ask them advice. Um, it was just great. It was great conversation. I'd learn a lot. I remember I trained one lady. She was eighty three years old. And she was a, she used to be a real estate agent for the Bay Area for San Jose and Los Angeles. I'm excuse me, and, and Los Gatos. And so she would tell me what it was like back then, which was fascinating to me. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this. Los Gatos, which is a very very expensive part of Silicon Valley, back when she was doing real estate, it was like the, that was the sticks, man. It was like people who couldn't afford to live in San Jose would go up live in the in the in the hills of of Los Gatos. I thought that was fascinating. So she would tell me all this cool stuff, and I. I'd learn from them. And the other reason why I found a lot of value in it is that they were consistent as fuck. The most consistent people I ever trained in my entire life were people in advanced age. You schedule 
Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m., they're fucking there. Their whole day is like revolves around That's it. That's it. Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, 3 p.m., they're there, like, or whatever. They're not going anywhere. And if you show them value, they will pay you and forever until they can't train with you anymore. So it was like super consistent. And then in terms of referrals, holy cow, the referrals I got from my advanced age clients were, it was silly. Like, if I, if I trained a lady, or a guy, and I did a really good job. Next thing you know, I was training her friends yeah. who were in the same age group. They're seeing her move better. Now, and- now, all that being said, I think that if I'm advising a trainer, like I would advise them the same way that I would advise a fighter going into MMA. And that's like, you. Do, I don't think it's in your best interest to specialize in one niche group and just be a badass at boxing or be a badass at jiu-jitsu. I think you are far better off becoming well-rounded at all modalities because in reality when you're it's already hard to build a business as a personal trainer. It's not an easy career, yeah. right? It's not there's not a yeah. lot of money being thrown around and made in this in this industry. So to niche yourself down to just one category of people may allow you to separate yourself in a pri- in a local gym and be like, "Oh, he's the guy." If you're if all the people that come in that are sports people come in, you're like, "You're going to get all those clients." But then you might miss out on a lot of other clients because those other clients don't have that specific goal. And yeah. if you're pretty good at all of it, you're going to be able to help like 80 to 90% of the population. Because I've trained a lot of athletes, even though I wouldn't think that that's my specialty because I eventually mm-hmm. went all over the place. But I know I have enough knowledge in sports performance and I have certifications in that arena that I can take for sure somebody all the way up to the collegiate level and greatly, and probably even the professional level, help them more than what they're doing Dude, right now. I'll tell you the most valuable thing, in my opinion, in personal training. The most value, if you want to specialize, specialize in correctional yeah, exercise. 100%. Yeah. And in, in helping people rehab uh, injuries and, and alleviate pain. Because that- uh, Covers everybody. Cover, everybody. It covers every market. Yeah, everything, At- even kids now. Athletes, it covers old people, it covers you know average everyday people, it covers people who want to build muscle, burn body fat, body builds, mm-hmm. athletics. It covers everything. Correctional exercise and how to get people to feel better in terms of pain. Boy, that right there, I can't think of a better- I can't think of a single category that would be well, you get better return on. I think too, like, it, I mean, it's a good strategy to definitely like be more, uh, you know, take on as many different types of clients as possible, as much volume. Like you said, it's a tough market to to penetrate and to really like thrive in, and to 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 build experience and 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 find out like you know which what what becomes sort of like what you're putting out there a lot of times you're going to attract and so like you're going to end up getting a specific type of a client that's going to sort of reveal itself to you and that's kind of what happened with me where I was I kept plugging away plugging away and I would just keep taking on um, you know new types of clients and it was great because it, it's like problem solving it's like mm-hmm. it's a new person that has all these new variables I have to figure this out and uh, I I tended to attract a little bit more of like your your busy person that like is really like type A and like wants to you know to get everything done and have all the answers like right then and there and this and so I would I'd have to calm them down and like you know really spell it out and draw this this plan for them that made sense that that you know they they could agree upon and that became like okay I'm I'm understanding this type of a person that like like makes excuses and has no time and like I have to like literally like put myself in a position where I'm going to cross, you know, their, their regular path consistently. And I have to get that consistency from them. And so I figured out how to do that and drew a business model out of that. Yeah. No, the the first point you made, uh, was, was really, really good. I want to reemphasize that, uh, which is for the first, and I'll be more specific for the first couple of years of personal training. Uh, don't, don't be picky. 
with you can't be picky with your clients. Take them all. Yeah. Take all the clients. I used to hate this. I'd get a trainer, yeah, brand everybody. new. You know, brand new. Oh, here's the kind of clients I want. Really? You have none right now. Yeah. You're trying to build a business. You're going to take them all, yeah. and you're going to learn through training a lot of different people. And then as you get better, you can be a little bit more picky. But if you're new, like, fucking train everybody. Learn from everybody. Build your business that way. And then little by little, uh, I think it'll start to reveal itself in the sense of where you want to specialize yourself out to. Next question is from VMA Mr. Black. What are the benefits or detriments of dropping weight each set, adding weight each set, or using the same weight for all sets? Mm. Okay. Um, well, there's I, no I, real detriments. No, the detriment would be doing the same method there all you the go. time. There you go. Yeah. So if you did whichever method you chose, so so to explain to the listeners so they kind of know what they're talking about. Let's this what the question's saying. Let's say I'm doing five sets of bench press. Mm-hmm. One way to do it would be to start with a weight, let's say 200 pounds, and then as I fatigue, because of the next set, I'm going to be a little you bit fatigued. You drop, shave off five, I, 10 yeah, pounds. I go down and I go lighter with each set. So I start with 200, second set is 180, third set is 160, and so on. The, ne- the other option would be to add weight, um, which would be I start with the weight, and then each set I go lower in reps and higher in weight. Uh, the other option that he talked about would be sticking to the same weight, uh, throughout every single set. And then there's a fourth option he didn't talk about called pyramiding, where I go up in weight and then halfway through I go back down. Yep. Um, aside from the the novel stimulus that it provides on the body, um, that's the benefit. That's where the benefit comes from. If all things are equal as far as volume is concerned. Yeah. Like right, because I think that it comes down to that. If you were to still take plug in the formula of set, reps, and weight – of those five sets, right? So if you would mm-hmm. equate out what it is, and if all things are equal, that you're you're producing the same amount of volume as uh, in all those four different ways, then really the only real benefit is to vary it and change it up every once in a while, yeah, right? Yeah, if one of them is now producing more volume, you're going to get more out of that. Like if if you find that when you pyramid up and all everything else is all you know five sets, we agree that's all you're about to do, and one way you're squeezing out an extra. 300 pounds of volume, well, that's currently going to benefit you until the body gets pretty efficient and adapted to that, and then you would want to move out of that, right? Yep, yep. Now, I, now I, um, I'll i say that I tend to, I mess with all of them, but I mm-hmm. do tend to move up in weight with each set just because the sets serve as a, a warm-up each time. And not necessarily a warm-up, but more like if I'm going to work myself up to a, a 500-pound or 400-pound deadlift... I will typically do at least a few sets leading up to that. So one set will be 135, 225, 315, 375. Now I'm at 405, you know, maybe 455, then 500. So I kind of use it in that in that type of a way. So I train that way when doing singles, doubles, triples, and sometimes training in like a, a blocks of five, right? Where we're doing five reps. Heavyweight. Yeah, mm-hmm. heavyweight. I like that. But if I'm doing, if I know I'm doing a workout that's all like 10, 15 rep range, I'm pretty comfortable that I know what like what that weight looks like on the bench for me. It's like that's 185 pretty much for me. And so I'll put 185 on right after the, I'll do a warm up set or a prime. Go first. right into your weight. We'll yeah. Go right into just the weight. Keep it the and, whole time. And keep it the whole time, yeah, right? Yeah, do that too. Same thing. So it just, it, it depends on how. And, and of course, I'll flip all of it on its head and, and do the opposite of what I'm saying right now every once in a while just to make sure that my body isn't completely adapted to it and throw a new stimulus at yeah, it. Yeah, especially like that. You mentioned pyramid. Like I'll do that every now and then to, to really just as an interrupter. Like that, that's something that I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a novel stimulus. So like, um, you know, maybe I'll respond 
you know, a little differently going back into, uh, you know, adding and I'll, I'll typically again, like, like pretty similar to where you're talking about like doing singles, doubles, triples, like working my way up that like, to me, that just feels more natural to, to kind of scale my way up that this direction. Is, this is another, you know, another tool that I, I love to, to use, to manipulate, to really just shock the body where, you know, imagine you decide you're going to work out and you're like, you know what? I really want to, I feel like I've been stuck in this rut of doing kind of all the similar stuff. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my tempo. I'm going to change my rest period and I'm going to change the way I, I drop set or pyramid set. I'm like, Man, you want to really shock the body on a, on a workout. You could be doing the exact same exercise even and just manipulate all those things in a workout and see how different your body feels from that. Oh, totally. I mean, how about this? How about you keep the weight the same, but you make it feel harder by changing the focus of the exercise. Like I could take a bench press. Creating more tension. There's two different ways I could bench press, for example. I could bench press in a way that maximizes my leverage and skill to lift the most weight possible. That's a very specific technique. It looks more like a power lifter's lift. I don't give a shit which muscles I feel it in. I'm staying tight and I'm pressing the weight. The other way to do it is to feel whatever target muscle I want to feel. In this case, it's probably going to be the chest. And so what I'm doing is I'm driving my hands together and focusing on my elbows coming out, stretching the chest, squeezing everything together. And I'm using the same weight either way. One makes it feel lighter. One makes it feel a lot heavier and more targeted on the pecs. Both have their value. So you can also, that's another way to, to mess with something is you could do a set just to be able to do more reps or you could do a set to do less reps but feel it more. Right. Both of them have their value. Uh, one isn't necessarily better than the other. A lot of it depends on your goals and of course, which one is more different for your body than what you're used to. That's typically the one that's going to give you a better response. Next question is from Hallie Cashman. How do you guys approach treating your kids with food, or do you do it at all? For example, going out for ice cream after a game or on a trip. How do you still communicate good food relationships and not risk developing poor habits? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, this one's real difficult. Uh, for, uh, I want to say real quick, we're not experts in, in raising kids, so this is just our own personal. Um, no, it's important that you say that, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, we're all, this is just from our own uh, personal we, we experience. We have opinions, but yeah. yeah. And I used to be really bad with this. Um, the, you know, the way I was raised in my culture, uh, we have some pretty bad um, relationships with food. Uh, I was, I don't know if I was telling you guys the other day, but like. When I was a kid and I'd eat, you know, dinner at my grandma's house with all my cousins. You got to finish it. Yeah. Well, my grandma would come out and with a $5 bill, whoever finishes first gets $5 to encourage us to eat faster and eat more. Like, <laughs> like that is just fucking terrible if you think about it, but that's what, what it was. Old and we would school. Oh, it's crazy. Um, so this is, this was something I had to kind of work on, um, with myself, uh, with my kids, but now really, you know, I food, there are foods that are a treat. And what I mean by that is. They are reserved and saved for special occasions, celebrations, and they're a part of the whole thing. So it's like, you know, hey, kids, we're going to Disneyland. So now that we're in Disneyland, we're going to enjoy some foods that we don't normally have access to or have because this is all part of the experience. Um, I, I think that that encourages the understanding that these are occasional foods, that they're foods for certain you know times or whatever right i feel like at this this example they gave 
Um, you know, and I don't have kids, so I don't know exactly what this is going to look like for me yet. I haven't had it. My son's not eating ice cream yet, right? So I don't have to worry about it. He's, right now, he's 100% on breast milk, and it's really easy to convince him to do yeah, that. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> so my advice isn't great here. But I'm curious to you. I feel like, you know, after a baseball game, let's say he plays baseball like Justin's kids, and he ends up wanting to have an ice cream after the game. Like, what do you have? Like uh, 12 games in the season, mm-hmm. you know? So at most, the kid's going to have – uh, 12 ice creams over the course of uh, three well, months. Yeah, so for me, that's, that's you know, I, I, I definitely draw definitive lines with that because it it really depends on, uh, you don't want to associate every game with getting a treat. Right. You know, and so or, that, or every practice, they'll do it. Yeah, so it, it has to be like an infrequent thing. Like but maybe he had the game of his life, right? Yeah. He, he just like had a, like the, it he, makes it more special, more impactful. Like I'm all for it if it like – if it's celebratory for a specific reason, it's not like because I did ate all my food, I get dessert. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm trying to break that chain uh, in my family. Cause I know for me, like I grew up like that. I grew up like that. I got ice cream if I ate everything, you right. know, like, and that was it. That's like all I had to make sure I ate everything. Then I get the ice cream. Isn't that funny though? <laughs> and then it was hard to disassociate myself with like wanting, cause now I'm an adult, you know, that took me a long time to work through. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't have to eat vegetables anymore, mom. Look at me now. You yeah. know, <laughs> I'm eating ice cream. I get to I the fun part. Yeah. And it, what's funny about that too, if you really think about it, it's like, Hey, if you eat more calories, I'll give you more. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you eat more food, we'll give you more. No, the way I'll do it now with dessert is if I do buy a dessert for dinner, which which I'll do occasionally, um, not frequently, but let's say I do, this is what I'll tell the kids. Hey, guys, we have, I bought some whatever, pie or whatever. Um, Now, this is for after dinner, but remember, you have to eat all the healthy stuff first before you eat the, you know, the, the treat or whatever. And that's all I say. And it's just... No, you know, oh, I don't want to eat my vegetables. Well, look, honey, if you feel like you have room for dessert, you should probably eat the more important food, mm-hmm. which is the vegetable. But here's the real truth about all this. People are so worried about what they say to their kids to make them, you know, I don't want to fuck them up with food and this and that. Meanwhile, their behaviors are all fucked up. That's what they pay attention to. Right. Kids, yeah. it, it, let's say you're like super perfect with your kids and how you talk about food, but then they hear you look in the mirror and say, God, man, I'm fat. I need to like... Or you tell your wife, or the wife tells a husband, "Listen, honey, I'm gonna skip, I'm gonna skip dinner because I'm getting a little fat, or I'm feeling out of shape, or oh, I don't want to put a bikini on, I don't look good. Look at the cellulite. That's the shit that they hear, and that's what they internalize. It, they internalize that more than the stuff that you may necessarily say yeah. to them. That's where the damage is done. And so here's the problem, or here's the the difficult part. If you want your kids to have a good relationship to food, you need to work on your relationship with food. That's where the answer is, 100%. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I, I think I'm I'm a little more calculated, you know, even when we're we're going to get a treat or going to get ice cream, like there's times where, you know, I won't partake, but you know, and I'm not I'm not like saying that or trying to be judgmental as I'm there. I'm letting them enjoy it and I'm like encouraging, yeah, that flavor sounds great and all that, but I'm I'm not partaking with them. And then they're like, "Well, why aren't you getting one, dad?" You know, and it's like, "Well, I just like it's not something I want right now. It's not something that's going to, you know, benefit me right now. Like I I don't I don't I'm celebrating with you, but it's not something I always want. Like I like to celebrate and have treats every now and then, but not all the time. Yeah. And and it's also like don't make a big deal about it. Yeah. You just don't make a big deal. Yeah. Like my kids will be like, why aren't you having ice cream? 
oh, it, it hurts my stomach when I eat it. No big deal. Right. Like I'm not making this big hoopla about it or whatever. Yeah. But a lot of it is what you say about yourself, man. That's a big one. And a lot of people do this and you don't realize it. You want, look at yourself in the mirror. You say something negative about yourself. You don't want to go somewhere because you don't look a particular way and you vocalize it. You say it or whatever. That's what the kids... That's If you ever talk to anybody who's got issues with food, a lot of it comes from there. I remember I had one client, this this young lady who had a lot of issues with food, and we'd have conversations like this, and I'd be like, you know, she told me, you know, my, my mom was really good with how we ate and stuff like that. And she says, but man, she would talk about herself all the time, how fat she felt and this mm-hmm. and that. And she's like, and I realized, it took me a long time to realize that that's why I have the issues with food is what she was saying about herself. It's like, man, that's what kids hear. It's like, it's like the dad who smokes cigarettes and then tells the kids not to smoke cigarettes. Like yeah. that's a that's a mixed message uh, at the very least. Yeah. Next question is from M Royals. What are each of your steps for recovery after going too hard in a workout? Ooh. Yeah. How do you, first off? How do you guys know? Do you guys have like signs that you know oh, like you went too hard? Yeah. I mean the 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 <laughs> on, in the workout. I'm the, like, uh-oh. the onset of soreness early is always a quick indicator that I over overreach for sure. Because like if if I did it just right, the next day I won't feel sore at all, and I'll feel it a little bit on day two. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me, I'm like I'm kind of like hitting the mark just right for myself. Like ooh. Yeah, I, I like right now. I can feel my back from two days ago, and I but I, it doesn't feel like subtle, right? It's just subtle. I could go train my back still today. It's not like stiff and mm-hmm. hurts or sore to the touch. Like when it gets that sore, then I know I overreached. And so, uh, and when I do that, um, the things that I like to do, if I can get myself into like an ice bath or something like that, I love to do that or cryo. That would be a, a great thing. That doesn't happen all the time. Uh, at bare minimum, because we have one in studio, infrared sauna like always makes me feel mm. better. Get a uh, get a nice, good, warm sweat inside the infrared sauna for about twenty minutes. Uh, that helps me, and then I try and boost calorie intake too. So that's a good a good time. Like if you're gonna uh, bump calories, since I'm always manipulating them up and down, uh, because I know I overreached. I know my body's trying to recover and probably working a little extra hard to recover. So I could probably use the additional calories. So I'll kind of take advantage of that too. That's when I'll actually increase mm-hmm. calories. Just like if I don't feel like I had a very good workout and it was kind of a half-ass workout, I also take advantage of those times as, oh, here's a time where my body's probably not needing a ton of extra nutrients. I'm probably going to dip on my calories mm-hmm. in those days. So um, I, I'm with you on the soreness. That's a that's an easy one for me. But I also, um, kind, I also know right after the workout, because the thing about soreness is you have to wait a couple days or the mm-hmm. day after to kind of be like, oh shit, I went too hard. One thing that I noticed for myself, and this is what I used to communicate to clients all the time, was if I, after my workout, if I feel like I have low energy and if I feel drained, even if I'm wired and drained, I know I went too hard. The way I need to feel post-workout is calm and energized. So I have a calm energy. It's like I leave and I feel, the word I like to use is zen. I feel very zen after a good, appropriate, effective workout. Like it was hard, but it was appropriately hard. I leave. I'm in a good mood. Mm-hmm. I feel zen. I could come do a good podcast. I could go go to work. I could meet with some friends. If I left a workout and I'm like, I need to fucking lay down. Mm-hmm. Like I need to go like, uh, yeah, I, I have that. that you went too far. That weird buzz feeling, you know, that's like, oh shit, I'm, I, I went too far. That's when I know I went a little, and I've had, a, I've had a, you know, I've definitely had workouts. So I used to tell clients like that, like at the end of your workout, you should feel energized. If you feel like at the end of your workout, you're beat up, 
You probably went too. Oh, hard. there's a perfect dose. I, I I look at it as like you get that stir crazy energy. You know, like the if I feel like I've expended, you know, all that excess energy, like it's such a sweet spot. Like, mm-hmm. and you and you feel like that little that calmness. Like you've you've accomplished something. The rest of your day is pretty chill. Your mind isn't racing quite as much. There's mm-hmm. so many benefits to that. And then you pass that threshold, and you're just oh. And then I just want to go to sleep half the time when I go over when I overreach. My body just like starts to kind of shut down. So I lose hearing in one of my ears. Oh, you push too hard. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So you talk about like I typically the indicator like I said is I wait post the next day I can kind of really tell but if there's something that tells me when I'm working out it's the loss of mm. hearing in one ear oh you, <laughs> you know what's that where it gets all like it's plugged up it's plugged up and you're like oh so fuck. I, I don't know about you guys I don't know about you guys but do you guys ever do you guys get like kind of like in the mood post-workout like if you're with your girl you're like this is a good oh, time to have sex okay, absolutely okay. it's yeah. the best right yeah, yeah, yeah. if I don't feel like having sex Lots post-workout if, yeah, if I happens. don't feel like having sex post-workout I went too hard typically if I got if I still wanted you know like, yeah, I got the energy let's go for it yeah I eh, know I probably trained just right you know, yeah I trained about <laughs> about just right but this is a big one this is a big one for people because it's hard for them to gauge especially new beginners Look, if hey, you, it's not just hard for beginners. This is something that if I were to call out ourselves or call out trainers mm-hmm. and like, I think if you're a professional in the field, you're just as guilty of still overreaching. It's mm-hmm. because we all fall in that. We'd rather, oh, I'd rather overreach a little bit than to have a workout where I felt like was a waste of my time or yeah. I didn't or you do get very- carried away with the momentum. Like for me, just like the right, like music playlist will get my mind just oh, going yeah. and man, I, that's. Honestly, that's when I tend to overreach the most is when I have like certain music playing and then I'm just, oh, so, I'm just going for such it. Such a good point. Yeah. Be aware of the music that, and how it affects That's it. why I, I change it as I, I as know. I always tell you guys. I, I got to calm down sometimes, that, like, dude. If I'm listening to hip hop, you kind of know where I'm at in my training. You know what I'm saying? I'm not all the way there yet. Once I start pulling out like rage and shit like that, like I've built up to that. I've scaled up to that volume to be able to handle that. Otherwise... I throw that shit on early on. I'm for sure overdoing Dude, it for sure. Yeah. Angry metal is like, yeah. I cannot do a four second negative squeeze. It doesn't work with that. I have to fucking go crazy. It's like nitrous for me. Yeah. Though. So I do the same thing. Hip hop. Now <laughs> that being said, I also, I, I love referring back to the conversation that we had with Dr. Andy Galpin too, though, that I, I do think there's a case for the occasional overreaching like that, like pushing the body to those kind of, it's like what You're the- Stretching your capacity a little bit. Right. But unfortunately, so it's all who I'm talking to, right? If I'm talking to another professional in the field, a personal trainer, somebody who loves to work out, I already know the conversation. Like the conversation I'm having to tell those people all the time is learning to listen to the body, back off, scale mm-hmm. out, scale out every once in a while. If I'm having a conversation with the person who- hated working out, this is new to them, they don't really want to. Those are the people that I, I, I'm, I'm trying to motivate to push to stretch themselves yeah. every now and then. It's like, hey, let, it's okay for you to it be really hard every now and then for, to struggle a little bit. So it all depends on who you're talking to because there is some value to the occasional overreach to Justin's point of increasing yeah, that but work do you capacity. Guys, do you guys have any workouts in memory that you can remember that were like, oh, yeah. clearly you just overdid it? <laughs> I mean, right. when, when I used to train with my buddies, that that's another reason why I'm so anti-workout yes. partner. Yeah, workout partners are the worst. Oh, for it, especially almost, when it's especially when it's your buddies and oh, you're competitive yeah. with of them. Almost all of those were. Yeah, when I look back, all my friends. When I look back <laughs> to those days, I think like, man, I probably would have progressed so much faster know, training right? by myself than with all these knuckleheads because. 
they, every workout was competitive. Yeah. Every workout add weight, was add weight. to failure. And yeah, adding weight. And, you know, if you didn't fall off the curb walking out from a leg day, like you just didn't do it, you know what I'm saying? Or didn't throw up. Like it's like that that way of training, I think, really, I mean, sure, it, 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 I'm, I've progressed and I did build muscle, but I think- On accident. Yeah, yeah as, as yeah. a default, yeah, right? I used, to, I used to work out with a buddy of mine. We were both, you know, trainers or whatever, and it was all that. We were in our, we were 19 years old and we would lift so fucking intensely hard, see who would break first. And then we'd go across the street to home ba- hometown buffet. Yeah. And, and then it was another- crush like five plates. Yeah, and it was another competition. Yep. Who could eat more food? <laughs> it was the same thing. I remember, so oh, I remember a couple stupid. workouts where, so one, one of the first workouts I did where I went way the fuck overboard, I took a barbell and, and this is because I read a story from Arnold. I think I shared this a long time ago with you guys. Arnold wrote this story a long time ago, or told the story of how when he was a kid- him and his buddies would take a barbell, go out into the woods, and they would do squats and drink milk in the woods. And they would do it for they would do it all day. And he's like, Oh, and that workout, those workouts added, you know, inches to my thighs. And I'm like, this is I think I was probably 15, 16. I'm like, this is brilliant. Yeah. So I took a uh, my cousin and I took a barbell and a twenty-five and two twenty-five pound plates. And we went maybe twenty-five, maybe even ten pound plates. There were small plates. And we walked all the way to the school, which was Eh, it's probably about a, maybe a mile. It's not that far, right? So we walked all over there, over there, holding the weights, and we took a, a, a couple jugs of whole milk because this is what Arnold did. <laughs> and we did squats. And the idea was like, we're going to squat all day. Like, yeah. we're going to be here all day. And so we rested as long as we needed to because it got to the point after, after about two hours of squatting, it got to the point where we were resting 15 minutes. In between sets, and then we would just squat with the bar, and then it was just body weight squats, and we would just because we were both there, nobody was like being smart about it. Like I was by myself, I would have been after forty five minutes. I'm like, this is fucked. Oh yeah. But because it's me and him, so we were out there for hours, and um, we got scared because we couldn't walk home. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, how? Are, you then? Yeah, it's before <laughs> cell phones. I'm like, how are they going to find us? What are yeah. we going to do? We couldn't make it home, and I had to take three days off of school. I'm pretty sure I, I, I had rhabdo on that one. Then the then then fast forward. This is when I should know better. I was probably 34, and I'm like just deep into like my li- I'm like pring everything. It's like when my peak of my strength or whatever. And I don't know what it was. And you ever do this? You go into a workout, you make up your mind beforehand. You're like, this is what I'm going to do. So then you have to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. So I went in it <laughs> and I said, you know, it would be fucking crazy if I did 10 reps. With three with three fifteen on the deadlift, and I did ten sets of that with thirty second rest in between sets. That would be fucking awesome. Mm. So ten reps, three fifteen, thirty seconds timed. Ten reps, three fifteen, and at this time I'm pulling in the high fives, right? So three fifteen, the first couple sets was like, oh, I'm gonna fucking bouncing it off the floor, kink, 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 bro. You get to set four, five, six, and I remember set seven. I'm like, this is like my hands are about to break. I'm, they're starting to bleed because I'm getting you know. What's when calluses are getting ripped off? No, I got to fucking do ten sets, dude. I fucking fuck myself up with that shit. Yeah, I did that whole workout and then I was ruined for like at least two weeks. Yeah. I remember thinking like, what did I, you know, what the fuck is wrong with me? Oh yeah, I, we were we were pring before it was called pring, right? And uh, we were like challenging each other on every single lift one morning as a as basically like a team, and just to see how much weight like you know each person could 
could really like handle. And so we're doing squats, we're doing power cleans, we're doing, uh, you know, bench press and overhead press and like everything we could think of. And then after that, we still had to practice, you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> and I was fucking trashed. Like I couldn't even like barely walk to class, the whole class. I'm just like, oh. And then, you know, the, the head coach didn't know that we did that in the weight room. And so it was just like, at that point, everybody's just like groaning, you know, just going through the warm up. <laughs> that was the worst practice. And he got pissed because it's like, um, you know, he thought that we were just like being lazy or like, you know, like complaining. And we're like, no, we, we destroyed ourselves. And so we had to end up doing like 10 extra hundred yard sprints, you know, even oh. at the end of practice. Worst day of my life. <laughs> oh, what, and another time again with my cousin, some of my epic horrible workouts with him we were re we were reading flex magazine you know and it's talking about how you need to fucking push the body it doesn't want to build muscle you have to give it a reason whatever and him and i were like we're gonna add an inch to our arms that's what the, for sure. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do right now we went my dad dropped us off at the 24-hour fitness when i first started working out there and i told him come back in two hours and all we did was arms for two hours and <laughs> and bro uh, the next day couldn't brush our teeth <laughs> couldn't eat dinner my mom sat but my, just flopping it up on the table our mom <laughs> sat us down i remember this our mom <laughs> sat us down and had a conversation with us like look we're not gonna let you guys go to the gym anymore if you keep doing this to yourself this yeah. is dangerous or whatever meanwhile in our heads we're like you don't even know <laughs> we're building muscle right now as you're talking to us totally worth <laughs> it misguided effort yeah good times Anyway, go to mindpumpfree.com and check out all of our guides. They're free. A bunch of ebooks. They cost nothing. Mindpumpfree.com. You can also find Did us you all say free? free. Free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>